Hey, if you have your Bible today, go to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, it's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to continue our sermon series talking about the life of the Old Testament prophet Elijah. Elijah was a big deal in the Old Testament. It was a really dark time in Israel's history. They have a really evil king who's married an evil queen, and they are just wreaking havoc all over Israel. They're setting up idols. They're having people worship really evil things, and they've just kicked God completely out. And so Elijah steps in and he tries to point them in the wrong or in the right direction and he says, "Hey, listen, there's going to be a famine here until I say so." And so that happened and then Elijah has gone off to a gentile country and then right here in 1 Kings chapter 18, what's going to happen is God is going to call him back to confront this evil king. So follow along with me here in 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to start right at the beginning of the chapter. And as always, if you're following along on the Bible app, you can hit that More tab, then Events, and you can find everything there that you normally find in your paper bulletin. 1 Kings chapter 18. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household, Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, and when Jezebel, that's the evil queen of King Ahab, cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So They divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself, and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. As Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my lord, Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go and tell your lord, Behold, Elijah is here. And he said, How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me. As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent to seek you. And when they would say, He is not here, he would take an oath of that kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now you say, Go, tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I have gone from you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you, I know not where. And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find you, he will kill me, although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here and he'll kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, 
but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. We're going to take a look at this passage today and uh, talk about what it means for our lives. Uh, Before we do that, though, let's just go before the Lord in prayer. Let's ask Him for His help with that this morning. Um, I I know I've said this before, but I hope that that never becomes kind of a a rote routine of pastor uh, reads the passage of Scripture, we pray, and then he talks about it. But I hope we, we really, truly go before God and ask Him for His help with that. So do that right now with me. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it is good, that it is perfect, and that we can apply it to our lives today. And so, Father, as we talk about this interaction that Elijah has with Obadiah and King Ahab, Father, I I pray that whatever you're leading us towards, that you would just soften our hearts to it right now. Father, that if we need to have a confrontation like Obadiah and Elijah had with someone, that we would be able to do it, that you would give us the wisdom and the courage and the know-how to do that. So, Father, help us to apply this to our lives today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, Have you ever been in a situation uh, where you thought you knew how to do something until you saw someone else doing that same thing and you said, Oh, that's how that's done. Um, I've shared this before, but um, Tammy and I, uh, we like to do house projects, and uh, we're in our second home now, so we're looking at house projects, but our first home has a huge fixer-upper, so we had a lot to do, and the great thing is Tammy's uh, father is a contractor, and so he knows how to do just about anything there is to do on a house, and so uh, I like to watch YouTube, and uh, I feel like I have just about a master's degree in YouTube University on how to do house projects. Uh, the problem is that's not really worth a whole lot, and so uh, I will watch a video. I thought I knew how to do some things, and then Tammy's dad will come over, and he goes, you wired that outlet like that? Why did you do it like that? And I, well, that's the way that the guy on YouTube taught me how to do it, and you know, like ultimately, it's probably a guy on YouTube who also learned on other videos on YouTube, and now he's sharing his knowledge that he learned on YouTube. It's just a circular thing. It's not good, right? And so sometimes it's just better and you go, ah, yes, when you see an expert doing something, you're like, oh, I get it. That's how that's supposed to be done. And in this passage of Scripture, I kind of feel like that's kind of what we get. You know, not many of us are good at handling conflict. If I took a survey today and you had to raise your hand and I said, hey, how many of you feel like you're an expert, you have a master's degree at handling conflict, Um, Not many hands would be up right now, and even if you did raise your hand, maybe you're not all that good. You just think you're that good, right? It's difficult to handle conflict sometimes. It's really hard. Sometimes we shy away from it, and we say, man, I just want to do everything I can not to talk about the conflict. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to act like I know anything about it, and we just shy away from it. Other one of us, uh, sometimes we're passive-aggressive towards things, right? And we say, well, you know, I don't feel like I can have the conversation, but I can certainly have a bad attitude towards that person, and I can certainly uh, give them a cold shoulder and uh, act certain ways, and then they'll get the, the point across. 
other people, this is me, if you didn't know, uh, other people look at conflict and it's like, hey, it's time to fix things, okay? This is an heir too, so don't, don't, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal here. I make heirs just like you. I'm not perfect. And so uh, some of us, we look at it and we go, man, I, we're going to fix this. This person's going to talk to this person now. I'm going to say this and everything's just going to work perfect and it's just going to be great and then it never acts or it never works that way, right? How we think it, it's going to work. Conflict is tough. Conflict is really, really hard. And in this passage of Scripture, in 1 Kings chapter 18, we see a conflict. In fact, we see a conflict between two people who fear the Lord greatly, Elijah and Obadiah. Now, uh, scholars aren't sure if this is the same Obadiah that is the minor prophet later on in your Bible, but we're not sure. It's a fairly common name in Hebrew, and so it could or it could not be. But the reality is, Elijah and Obadiah meet up, and they have some words to have to, uh, to each other here. In fact, it's not all great either, but it does give us a picture of how we are to handle conflict. Now, you might be saying, didn't we just talk about this? And if that's the case, way to go. You remember two months ago at the end of the Be the Church series that we, that we did, uh, it uh, was uh, March 12th, I gave a sermon about, uh, hey, what does the Bible say about handling conflict? And we looked at a lot of different biblical concepts. And here, and this is what I love about Scripture, right here in 1 Kings chapter 18, we actually get a picture of what it looks like to apply those concepts that we talked about two months ago. We get a picture of what it looks like to apply those concepts in real life. Because it's one thing, right? It's one thing to watch a YouTube video and go, conceptually, I can, I can be a plumber. Conceptually, I know uh, you just put those pipes together and it's really easy and you just use crimping tools that I don't even have and you just, you just put the pipes together and it's, it's great. It can't be that hard, right? And in all reality, uh, I had a pipe burst in my house two weeks ago and I had to call a plumber. I thought it'd be a five-minute job and it turned out to be an hour-and-a-half job, right? And it's a lot more difficult in real life than it is conceptually. So right here, we're going to take a look at this and really talk about what it really means to have a conflict between two believers of Jesus. The first thing, here's what I want to uh, show you. first thing I want to point out in this passage of Scripture. In verse 7, this is after we find out that Obadiah is a God-fearing man. He's actually been with King Ahab for these past few years. Remember, Elijah has been off in a Gentile territory. He was with the widow that was providing for him, and there was the miracle of the jars, and there was a miracle of him bringing uh, the son back to life. He prayed for this son to be uh, brought back to life, and God answered Elijah's prayers. Now he's back, and he runs into this prophet Obadiah that's been on Ahab's side this whole time. He's been right next to Ahab. Ahab obviously trusts Obadiah, that when they're trying to find uh, these places that still have uh, moisture and still have some vegetation going on, and they're trying to save their animals, he trusts in Obadiah to look through the country to find a place like this. And man, just as a side note, this is just a quick side note, but it's interesting to me that this evil king, he's looking after what can make him money and provide for him rather than looking after people, the Israelites. He should be saying, hey, where can we get people to have water? Instead, he's just looking after the horses. Anyway, so Obadiah, he's on his way. He's looking for these places that still have some vegetation for the horses. And he runs into Elijah, and he simply says this, Is that you, my Lord, Elijah? This is an honoring term that he's giving to Elijah. He's not worshiping him when he's calling him Lord. He's just simply honoring him. He's just simply saying, Hey, is, is that you, the prophet, 
Elijah? That, that's you? Uh, certainly he probably looks a little bit different after a few years, but he probably still recognizes him here. And he's saying, hey, that, that, that's, that's you? And then he asks them to do something. He says, hey, Elijah will go to him and he says, hey, it's me. I need you to go to King Ahab and I need you to go tell him that I'm here because I need a meeting with King Ahab. I need to confront him. Now here's what's really interesting about this. Obadiah, like I said, he's been with King Ahab, the evil king, for the past few years. Now, Elijah, he could have gotten really mad, really mad at Obadiah and said, Hey, why have you been with King? You, you're out doing what? You're out here looking for grassland for the horse? Ahab's saying, Why are you even talking to that guy? Why are you giving him the time of day? Don't you know he's kicked out all the prophets of Israel? He's trying to get God out of here. He's having people worship all these false idols, these false gods. He could have gotten really mad. And Obadiah could have gotten mad at Elijah. And he could have been like, what? I'm over here trying to help Israel. You're out. You're left for three years. You're in a Gentile country. What are you doing? You're crazy, Elijah. You give us a famine and then you just leave. Thanks a lot. Oh, now you're back after three years. It's been really hard for three years messing with King Ahab and, and, and he's all over here and he's trying to do his thing and he's, he's setting up these idols and I'm here, I'm protecting these prophets. And we found out earlier that Obadiah actually protected a hundred prophets so that they would survive. So man, they could have just gotten very, very upset right off the get-go, really upset. How many people do you know and how many conflicts have you seen within a church that involves something just like this? You see, Elijah did what God wanted him to do Obadiah did what God wanted him to do. And yet they could have gotten really upset. They didn't, but they could have gotten really upset at each other for simply following what God wanted them to do. But it was different than what God wanted them to do. How many times have you seen that in a church? Now, it might look something like this. Hey, have you seen that church down the road? <laughs> Can you believe them? All they sing is hymns. They don't sing anything even from this century. Can you believe that? That, that must be a horrible church to go to. And all along, they're saying, can you believe that church down the road? They sing all those modern worship songs with all those O's and A's. Can you believe that? There's nothing to it. That's all fluff. Yeah. And meanwhile, somebody down the road is saying, hey, have you seen that church down the road? Oh, this is how they worship. They put their hands in their pocket and they sing. That's it. We're over here waving flags like real Christians. All right? This is crazy. They're so boring. I, can you believe what they're doing? <laughs> Excuse me, I got a little too excited there, I guess, here. But people get mad at other people for playing the role that God wants for them to play. You see, Obadiah, he had a specific role to play in God's kingdom. Elijah, he had a specific role. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> he had a specific role to play in God's kingdom. Here's what I want you to write down. You need to realize this. We all play different roles in God's kingdom. We all play very specific roles in God's kingdom, and we all have different gifts that we have. Paul writes into the uh, church in Rome, and he'll say this, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Don't get mad at other believers for having different gifts. We all have different gifts, and we're all to use them for God's glory. 
Paul will write this to the church in Corinth. He'll say something very similar. He'll say, now there are various gifts, uh, various types of gifts here, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities. But look at this, the same God who empowers all of them and everyone to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We've got to look at this and say, hey, listen, if this is how you worship, that's awesome. If that's how you worship, that's great. If that's your gift that God has given you, that's awesome. If that's your gift, that's not my gift, that's great. And you could get really mad. I could get really mad at Grace and Carolyn for having an amazing singing voice. When I sing, it sounds like a raccoon ate some bad trash and now he's dying, okay? I could get really, really upset at them, but I don't. Why? I have gifts that God has given to me. And so I'm going to use them for God's glory. Other people have different gifts, and that's a good thing. And we all need each other in the kingdom of God. And you've got to realize that there are different roles that each of us have in God's kingdom, and you have different gifts, just like Elijah and Obadiah. They play very different roles. Elijah says something very difficult to King Ahab. And if he stuck around like Obadiah did, he'd be dead. And he couldn't play the role three years later that he has to confront Ahab. Obadiah, on the other hand, he plays a very specific role in God's kingdom. And he saves over a hundred prophets here. He saves these guys. And so we look at this, we go, hey, actually God used both of these guys and they both did what God wanted them to do. And that's a really good thing. And so you can avoid conflict altogether by just realizing, hey, you have a different role to play in God's kingdom. I'm horrible at different languages. Uh, in fact, my worst grade in high school was my first year of Spanish. I got a C. It was horrible. Uh, I, in fact, all my grades were A's, and then I got a C in Spanish, and all my friends made fun of me. They're like, dude, if you could, this is like the easiest class. And my, my brain, it just, it does not, it, it does not comprende, okay? I just doesn't understand, I don't understand what it is, what people are saying, and I cannot wrap my, my brain around different languages. I don't know why, but God probably doesn't have missions work in my future because of that, right? And God does have pastoring work in my future. Again, I could get mad at missionaries and say, I can't believe that. I want to go do that. I want to go do those amazing things. Or we could just say, hey, you go off. You go off in those other countries. We're going to bless you. We're going to support you. We're going to do everything we can for you so that you can fulfill the mission that God has for you. Elijah and Obadiah here give us a really good picture of not getting distracted. And what the enemy is going to want to do, he's going to want to distract you. And he's going to want to cause divisions among the church and among believers. And he's going to cause these divisions and people are going to get upset at each other and they're going to miss what's going on here. Obadiah and Elijah, they don't miss it though. They go right into it. In fact, and I think this is one of the best pictures in all of Scripture that we get of, uh, of Obadiah responding to Elijah. When Elijah says, hey, I need you to go to King Ahab and tell him that I'm here. I need a meeting with him so I can confront him and what he's done. And we're going to take care of this once and for all. And then Obadiah says, look at this. How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? Now, he could have just stopped there. He could have said, what are you, are you trying to kill me or something? You want me to go to King Ahab, right? And then he, he's going to get all upset because he can't find you and then he's going to kill me. Right? He could have just left it right there and right then. And that's the tendency. Right? Somebody asks us, we have this conflict. This is the conflict introduced right here. And we have this conflict. And our tendency is to get angry and upset with that other believer. That's our tendency. First and foremost is anger. And yet, 
That's not what Obadiah does. He goes on and he fully explains it. He says, hey, listen, he gives the history here in verse 10. And he says, hey, listen, we've gone to every nation. We've gone all over the place. And he's made him take oaths that you're not there. And if he finds them, then, man, that oath, that he would just kill him if he found that you were in there. And so uh, if I say, hey, listen, I found Elijah, you need to come here. And then God takes you somewhere. Look at this. In verse 12, it's so funny. As soon as I have gone from you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you. I know not where. Right? He goes, hey, listen, God's going to take you somewhere. He's going to lead you somewhere. And then you're not here. And then Ahab's going to get upset at me. And then Ahab is going to kill me. And then he even gives more evidence. He goes, hey, listen, I've done some good things for the past few years here. Has it not been told you? Look at this. When Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. He's giving the history here. He's explaining this. And then he says, and now you want me to go tell him this, and then it's going to lead to my death. I don't know many people who can fully explain it like Obadiah here did. He did it consistently, yet he did it fully. And he says, hey, listen, this is why that plan's not going to work, Elijah. And then Elijah simply says this. He simply says, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. It's interesting. They have this conflict. Obadiah fully talks about it. He, he talks about the history about it. He talks about what's going to happen in the future. And then Elijah overcomes that and he says, it's okay, that's not going to happen. I'm going to stay right here and I will confront him and you won't die, Obadiah. And the next thing we know, Obadiah goes and he gets Ahab and he brings him to Elijah. He fully talks about the conflict. And I know this sounds really, really basic. But this is what it teaches us. It teaches us to talk out conflict directly without contention. Now, here's what I mean by that. So many times, it's so easy, again, just to become really upset and not talk about conflict directly. Now, think about this. Obadiah could have gone on the defense and said, Elijah, you're a fool. I can't believe you would even suggest that. I am going to die if, you, if, if I go and tell King Ahab this. Uh, you're crazy, man. It, And yet he doesn't do it. He doesn't start attacking Elijah. He simply talks to Elijah and says, here's the outcome that I'm foreseeing if that happens. He talks about the conflict directly without the contention of saying, yeah, but look at what, look at you. You've left here. I can't believe you're such a, you're such a coward. You've you've left here for the past few years. I've had to deal with Ahab. I know what Ahab's going to do. He doesn't have that contention when he's talking. To me, he really embodies the principle that Paul writes to the Corinthian church. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you, look at this, agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. It's the principle that we looked at a couple of months ago in Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, what do you do? Do you act? Uh, passive aggressively do you shy away from that no go and tell him his fault between you and him alone look at this directly if he listens to you you've gained your brother now listen when you go and you do that you got to be patient with other people in fact i think obadiah as he talks about this it's, it's so good he he talks about it and then elijah simply says that's okay i'm gonna stay right here go and talk to ahab 
He's patient. Like what James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person, look at this, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Elijah could have gone on the defense here. And he goes, yeah, that's not going to happen. You're crazy, Obadiah. Listen, I've done what God wants me to do. He didn't, he didn't go into that. He didn't get upset. He simply hears Obadiah completely out. How many conflicts have you been involved with where every side got completely hurt out? Not many, right? Uh, if you're anything like me and you see conflicts happening, it seems like people are interrupting each other nonstop. And yet what Scripture tells us to do is to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, this is a good example. Not every example of conflict between believers is going to go like this. And so I, I feel obligated to include this verse here in Romans chapter 12. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. It's not always going to be possible. Here we see a really good example, but it's not always going to be possible to live peacefully with all. But what does Scripture say? So far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. So talk it out without contention. There's one more thing that I think that we learn from this uh, passage of Scripture about conflict between believers. It's at the end here when Elijah will go before King Ahab. It says this in verse 16, So Obadiah went to King Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when Ahab saw, or sorry, when Elijah saw Ahab, said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? Now, I don't know about you, but that's contentious. I mean, the guy walks in the room and he goes, Oh, here comes trouble here. I can't believe what you've done. You brought this whole drought upon the, the world here. I can't. You are just a troublemaker, Elijah. Now that puts somebody automatically on the defense, right? I mean, that's bad. And Elijah, he could have had the tendency to go, Oh, yeah, yeah, right. You're an idiot, King Ahab. Look at what you've done. Now he doesn't say that. He doesn't get contentious with him. But he does call out what Ahab has done. Take a look at what Elijah says next. He answered, I have not troubled Israel. You have in your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Again, it's not contentious. He's just directly saying to King Ahab, listen, this is what you've done. And this is what I love about what he says. He says, you've abandoned, look at this, the commandments of the Lord. In other words, he's not saying, Elijah isn't saying, this is my opinion. My opinion is, you stink as a king. You're a horrible king. I can't believe what you've done. We need to get somebody else in your place. And let's get you out of the, out of the throne here. He doesn't say that. He says, hey, listen, no, the truth is, this is what God has said, and you have disobeyed God here. He takes it off of himself. He takes it off of his opinion, and he says, this is what the Lord says and you are not doing what the Lord says that we ought to be doing. What is he doing? He's pointing people to God's word. He's pointing the king to God's word. And when you have a conflict between you and another believer, the best thing that I think you can do is point to God's word. Now here's the tendency. Here's the tendency that we're going to have. Is we're going to have... Uh, the tendency to be in a conflict and things are going to be heated and so you're going to want to talk quickly your heartbeat is going to be raised a little bit and you're going to be like hey you know that verse that says this and you're going to say about half the verse and then you're just going to move on and say so that's why i'm right now here's the best thing that you can do i think um it's kind of like when you're in the car wash 
right? You can't choose a bad car wash. Like, there's three options, good, better, best, right? That's the good option, and it's going to leave your car half dirty, okay? So the best option here is say, hey, would you sit down with me, and would you read this passage of Scripture together? Let's read this together because this is what I'm seeing in Scripture. Let's see if I'm right, and let's see if what I'm reading is correct here. And this is what I remember it says. And then you could just go to that passage. Hey, and listen, we're not all Bible scholars either. You might need to Google it with your phone. You might need to say, hey, what passage of Scripture am I thinking about? And you might write out half the, half the verse and you go, oh, that's the verse. Okay, cool. And then you could flip to that and you say, hey, let's read this. And don't just read half a verse. Context is important. You've got to read the whole thing. So read the whole chapter together. And what this is going to do is it's going to do the exact same thing that it did for Elijah. It's going to take it out of his opinion and go on to God's word. Because this is what we believe about God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. For, look at this, reproof and correction. That's how Elijah is using it. And for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Scripture applies to your life. It tells us right there in verse 17 that you would be equipped... For every good work. And here's the really important thing about Scripture that you got to realize. It's from Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, The Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What Scripture is going to do is if someone has a bad intention, if someone is trying to have this conflict and they're saying, hey, this is, I, want, I need this and, and, and this needs to happen. And you say, hey, this is why I just don't know if that's the best idea. Let's read this passage of Scripture together. It discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Now, again, someone can ignore the Lord. And again, you've got to go to Romans twelve eighteen to say, hey, I, just so far as it depends on me, I'm going to live peacefully with everyone. Because that's what Scripture tells us that we are to do and to point people towards Scripture. When Jesus is in the middle of a conflict, the enemy is trying to tempt him. He says this in Matthew 4, 4. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, look at this, but by every word. Not half a verse, not just something that I, I think I'm remembering that the Bible might say. No, no, no. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. And here's the really important part too. When you point people towards scripture, you're not just pointing people towards an empty book that doesn't mean anything. You're pointing them to the word of God. And when you point people to the word of God, what you're actually doing is you're pointing them towards Jesus. At the beginning of the gospel of John, this is what it tells us. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Look at this. And the word was God. Later on in that same chapter, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. When you point people towards God's word, you're pointing them towards Jesus. They're one in the same. The word became flesh. And in any interaction, regardless of if it's with a believer or not, or conflict or not, you want to point people towards Christ. I hope that as a believer, you, your goal would be in every interaction you have to glorify God and to point people towards Jesus. 
That's our goal. Because ultimately, he solved the biggest conflict that ever was. And that's between man and God. Man sinned, and now there's a conflict. Jesus steps in and says, I am the, the uh, solving of this. I, I, I solve this. By my death on the cross, I solve this contention that you have, this conflict that you have. By Jesus dying on the cross, he provided a way for us to have a relationship with the Lord again. He laid his life down for us. And we can lay our life down because of that to each other as well when there's conflict. Realize you play a unique role in God's kingdom and so does everyone else. Talk out the conflict directly without the contention and always point to God's word. Always use God's word. Always point to Jesus and say, this is what I'm thinking. Let's read this together. And it helps to solve that conflict. Let me ask you a question. What's your tendency when it comes to conflict? Is it passive aggressive? Is it shying away from it? Is it Mr. Fix-It here? Or is it simply saying, no, this is how God says to do it. This is an example like Elijah and Obadiah have. And that's how I'm going to try and, and do this. And we're not always going to get it perfect. But ask yourself this. What's my tendency? What's my tendency? Is it to become angry with people? Is it to hold a grudge towards people? Or is it to, for, to forgive them? Because that's what God did for each and every one of us. Jesus came and he died for our sins to forgive us. And we can do that to each other too. We can forgive each other. We can work through the conflict. And it doesn't have to be this thing that completely wrecks our lives where we're always in this conflict, we could simply say, no, we're going to work through this. We're going to work through it. And we realize, man, it's a reality of life. You cannot avoid conflict. It's going to happen. But I think about it like this. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about in John chapter 9, there was this guy who was born blind, right? You remember this? And the disciples talked to Jesus and they go, hey, this guy was born blind. Who, who sinned? Was it him? Was it his parents, right? Had they had this mindset that was just kind of off, that all things that are evil in our lives happen because we sin. That, that's just simply not the case. And so Jesus, he says, listen, it wasn't because anybody sinned. It was so that my glory might be shown through him. And then he heals the man. And I wonder, in our conflicts, is it the type of situation where we could say, man, conflict's a reality of life. Maybe it wasn't because somebody sinned or somebody didn't, or maybe it was. But regardless of that, we could look at that and go, man, when believers can work through this, when we can work through that, God's glory can be shown so much better. And the world can see people interacting with others the way that God intended them to behave. Maybe when people see that, they go, hey, I don't know, there's just something about those Christians. They act different. And God's glory can be shown. Let's be those kind of Christians. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you so much for solving the ultimate conflict, us falling away from you through sin. And Jesus, I, I pray that as we have conflict, as conflict arises among us and we just realize it's a reality of living in a sinful world, that God, we would glorify you by just talking about it directly, not being contentious with each other, but Jesus always pointing towards you. 
ultimately, that's what we want to do. Jesus, we want to honor you. We want to glorify you. We want to worship you. Help us to do that. Help us to work through any conflict that we might have. And help, help us to glorify you as we do and point people towards you as we do. And it's in your precious, life-changing name we pray, Jesus.